Welcome to the Pity Herbalist Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is your girl, Karina, checking in from South Carolina. We are here together, um, living our best life, and this is Asia. Okay, (laughs) in case you don't know. (laughs) You better learn. You gonna learn today. <laughs> yes, welcome y'all. Welcome one, welcome all to the Petty Ebelist podcast where we get to hang out with y'all and and tell y'all what to do. Just kidding, you can learn from us. But um we're going to get into some cool stuff. But first, Asia, what's in your medicine bag today? Mm, yo, I gotta I got a call on my girl Dandy. Hmm. I just, oh, y'all, the way that I woke up and everything was stiff, I said, Nort! <laughs> mm. <laughs> I said, this is not cute. And we have so many modalities to work with stiffness in the body, mm-hmm. right? You can wake up and you can do your yogas. If you have extra resources, you can go and get some body work. You mm-hmm. know, you can go get a massage like me and Karina did. Shout out. Um, and what's beautiful is that what's accessible to us uh, is that we can work on the herbs that support our liver and our gallbladder. And mm-hmm. so I've been really working with Dandy to, to fill into myself, to really... Um, ground down into my being uh, so that I can be flexible from a place of rootedness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so shout out to Dandy and uh, shout out to Brother Burdock mm. um, for, you know, really keeping me rooted as the energies of spring are rising up. Um, yeah. What's in your medicine bag, sweet one? Well, gosh, there's so many things in my medicine bag. Um, you know, being here in South Carolina with my wife has been amazing medicine. Um, getting a massage yesterday, definitely in my monthly medicine bag. But I hadn't gotten in two months. And so I had enough massage credits for me and my wife to get massages. So, Amen. Shout out to my masseuse, who is this black man who had the most healing hands. Like, let me tell you, that man, (laughs) wow. He knew all the things. He was such an intuitive massage therapist. And um, he, I told him where to focus. And like, he was focusing on other places. He started and then he was like, oh, I'm noticing. Like, he didn't say it, but like the way that he was, you know, massaging. He was like, "Mm, okay, this area. So, um, yeah, that was really great. Um, the food we've been eating here, um, made by our own hands, has been medicine. Um, yeah, just been blessed, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, so, Asia, (laughs) (laughs) speaking of food we've been eating here, um, what are we talking about today? Plantain. (laughs) Plantains, <laughs> or plantains, or platanos, <laughs> whatever y'all call it in the Caribbean, in Africa, uh, in South America. 
um, in Asia, <clears throat> whatever y'all call it, we're talking about it because <laughs> we had some really good mangu the other day, and then we started talking about how, um, or about on, uh, was it TikTok or Instagram? There was something called Plantain Gate, <laughs> where this um, black nutritionist she didn't mean any anything negative by it, but she happened to be talking about fried plantains, and she decided to give us the um, calorie count of fried plantains. And so everyone on the internet was upset. We're like, who asked you, sis? Why do you hate happiness? Like, <laughs> um, and this popular TikToker, uh, she made this whole funny video in like a West African accent, American accent, or West African English accent, um, where she was just like, why do you hate happiness, blah, 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 we didn't ask for this. <laughs> it was just really funny. So that led us to a conversation discussing why um, people don't see plantain as the sacred vegetable, fruit, whatever you want to call it, um, holy food that it is. So mm. we just wanted to get into it because we're talking about gut health. And Asia, would you like to start um, talking about why plantains are good for our, our guts? Yeah. Uh, why plantains are good for our guts, but also why diet culture steals joy. Ooh, come on. Okay. Say that one more time for the people in the back. Diet culture steals joy. <laughs> First of all, calorie counts don't matter. Mm. What the food is matters. Yeah. Right? Uh, Karina, in the last, you know, uh, episode, the, the one before the last, uh, discussed uh, the fact that we look at the world through, like, carbs and carbohydrate, Oof. and then diet culture teaches us that carbs make you fat. Oof. Right? What's real about carbohydrates mm -hmm. is that we're looking at the entire plane of sugars, mm. right? And the complexity and the type of carbohydrate is just a conversation about the shape and content of sugar, mm -hmm. right? Plantains are a form of sacred sugar. Mm -hmm. And what's really beautiful is that every season of the plantain brings us brand new blessings. Mm -hmm. And so when uh, the plantains are green, uh, such as the, the dish mangu mm -hmm. that Karina, you want to tell them a little bit about mangu? Yeah, so mangu is a green plantain that's boiled and mashed, kind of like mashed potatoes, but is better. It's <laughs> like a million times better. Um, you add some salt. Most people add butter, maybe a little bit of olive oil, and some people do um, some spices like oregano, um, things like that. Um, but it's just, it's everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, we can talk a little bit more about mangu and the word and a little bit of the history a little bit later. Word. Thank you for that context. Um, <laughs> so when I was in Costa Rica, I also had a green plantain porridge. This one mm -hmm. had like clove and cinnamon mm. and, uh, it was so amazing. I felt so good. Um, mm. when the plantains are green, 
they're starchy and fibrous, very similar to potatoes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some of the nutritional qualities of plantains at this point is that they are high in what's known as resistant starch. Mm. Resistant starches help to lower our blood pressure. Um, They help to uh, ease our digestion and help us to move our bowels. But most importantly, the starches and resistant starch foods are resistant to breaking down uh, by our own bodies and become food for our microbiomes. What's really important to understand about plantain is that it's what's called swallow, right, in, in West Africa and throughout Africa, even in Kenya. And so our West African ancestors and current and <laughs> West African folks uh, make beautiful meals of soups mm-hmm. accompanied by um, things like plantain or things like cocoa yam or things like cassava, grounded up and turned into um, sort of a doughy... Uh, Starchy ball. A doughy, starchy (laughs) ball. And what I've come to discover about these root cultures, right, these plantain cultures, is that these starchy balls, yeah, they may be high in quote-unquote calories, but they're feeding the microbiome, Mm. right? And so when these foods uh, pass through our digestive system, The microbes in our guts, which is usually our large intestines, they're able to consume these sugars and uh, produce different forms of acids. Um, These beneficial acids help to support our liver, which is sensitive to acids produced in our body. Mm -hmm. Um, But they... These um, secondary metabolites uh, have so many health-promoting benefits, and it's really important to understand that, like, yes, we eat, but when we feed our microorganisms, they are the blessings in our bodies that take care of things. Mm -hmm. And so one of the reasons why these swallow cultures or these cultures that are eating mangu and plantain, irrespective of their calorie content, (laughs) right, tend to be able to better maintain their health, better maintain their weight, and better maintain their joy and their well-being because what happens in our guts is always happening in our brain, too. Mm. So. Okay, I do have a question. What's up, sis? Why do these swallow cultures have a swallow, um, like you said, like a made with plantain or cocoa yam or cassava or yuca, mm-hmm. why do they usually put those with a stew? Yeah. So the stew is the brilliant part because what I noticed in studying the cuisines of uh, not just West Africa, right, because things can be generalized, but these stews are always based in bones. Mm. Mm-hmm. These stews are always using tripe, Right, they're always using skins, they're using different organ meats, and those organs and those skins and the feet and whatever they're putting in there is rich in collagen. Mm. Right, and this collagen helps to heal and seal the gaps in our gut. Mm -hmm. And so, not only are these simple, these simple looking meals, right, Mm. 
So people look down on our cultures and they mm-hmm. like and people in those cultures try to like make their food look like French food to yeah. show that it's like hot mm-hmm. cuisine or <laughs> that they're like next level. <laughs> but that's bullshit. Yep. Yeah. Weird. France is not the standard Mm-mm. for quality in food. And so this brilliant combination of um, gut-healing, broth-based soups with uh, what's called prebiotic fibers, right? Mm. Resistant starches are what's called prebiotics because they feed our probiotic microorganisms. The brilliance is that having these stews every day is the exact recipe for having good gut health. Mm. It's wow. actually brilliant. It, mm. it, it is, I am so impressed Right by what it means to have okra stew mm. with the side of kelewele, which is my favorite way of preparing plantains. So, as we continue down the line of uh, green plantains, which are super super rich in resistant starches, uh, these resistant starches begin to break down with time, mm. and their breakdown uh, they get cleaved and start to taste like sugar. Mm-hmm. Because they start to become more and more simplified. And at this point, when they're sweet, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the beautiful things can be done uh, with yellow plantains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like make what you said, kelewele or platanos maduros, <laughs> which, whoo, or um, in DR, and I think in uh, Puerto Rico, they have something called pastelon, mm. which is such an interesting dish. Pastelon is sweet, pla- mashed up, or yeah, for the most part, mashed up sweet plantains with like a meat, like a um, ground beef mm. and cheese. Ooh. I know it's weird, but it hits. <laughs> it really hits. It's so good. So, um, yeah. You can make all sorts of dishes. Um, I think in uh, when I went to, um, what is that place called? Chiapas, um, Mexico, in this city called San Cristobal. Um, I ate these rellenitos, um, and they it was sweet plantain, and then it was stuffed with, like, beans. Ooh. Yeah, it was weird, but it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> like eating all these plantain dishes from different countries is really cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, you get to make all these things. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And plantains, like, listen, like, I grew up, like, eating soul food. Mm-hmm. I really did. And so, like, I was really introduced to plantains first from Karina. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and Maduro, and uh, then I went to Belize, mm. and there was a vet. We were eating uh, this plantain coconut fish stew Ooh, yeah. uh, for uh, for for breakfast, and I was like, mm. "Whoa, the world is strange!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was one of my first like uh, international trips, mm. um, and so I've been exposed to plantain through visiting. Um, Brown cultures abroad, especially throughout the Caribbean. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We all have our plantain dishes. Which, okay, let's really get into the things. Because <laughs> you know I'm mad. Okay, so yeah, as we were discussing earlier, we were talking about mangu. Which, again, for y'all, is the Dominican version of mashed plantains. 
right? In uh, Cuba, they call it fufu, the mm. platano, which is go. interesting. There we go. <laughs> um, and then in um, Puerto Rico and also DR, they have a thing called mofongo, mm. which is like a, it's a more coarse, like mashed up plantain dish um, with a stew. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Listen. Um, but anyways, I want to focus on mangu because as many of y'all know, I lived in DR for, well, two times. Uh, I lived there for like two months when I volunteered at a camp, a Young Life camp. And then I worked at a school called Dulos Discovery School. It was an international school. And so I worked there for a year. Um, and I had to take, like, language learning class or culture class or whatever. And we were talking about, like, the cultural foods, dishes, all the things. And, um, actually by several people, I learned this about the word mangu. And you'll still find it on the internet. So they said that the origin of mangu, the word mangu came from... I think it was like 1916 or something like that, where um, or when the United States occupied DR and Haiti, and uh, supposedly like some American soldier tried mangu, and they said, "Oh man, this is good." <laughs> Can you believe that shit? <laughs> and so from there they called it mangu, and I'm like. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That, like, something that they've been eating all over the Caribbean, like, all of a sudden in 1916 was called mangu. Right. But the true origins comes from, um, I think, a Congolese word called mangusi, mm. which is, like, a mashed-up, starchy vegetable. Mm-hmm. There so yeah, that's where mangu comes from, to clarify for all y'all <laughs> who've been taught some bullshit in these like culture classes. But like that's been taught to those kind of things have been taught to many Dominicans in many um, countries in the Caribbean where the U.S. occupied because the United States always loves to insert themselves into every culture and think that they're the shit, but they're not. Um, so anyways, we hate culture erasure. Um, so let's, let's get back to the origins. So I mean, speaking of origins, right? Like this swallow or fufu, which Mm -hmm. is what, uh, we would call the mashed plantains in Ghana. Um, this is quintessentially African. Yeah. (laughs) So why would it all of a sudden, oh, that made me mad. And, and so it gets to a deeper narrative, um, of why we're upset about this American, like, mm. talking shit about, like, putting her spin on mm. a traditional Caribbean food. Right. Uh, the issue is this desire to reframe cultural narratives and our own vision, mm. imposing our own scientific, well, not so scientific, <laughs> actually, uh, notions on it and reclaiming it as if, like, we discovered plantain, mm. right? Mm. Um, one of my issues, one of my issues with like this, like gluten free. <laughs> Come on. One of my issues with this gluten free is that like most of your like fake foods are using 
fufu. They're using all of these starches, this cassava, this yeah. plantain. Arrowroot is cassava. Yes, they're using all of these like uh, resources of tropical origins. Right. And uh, trying to reshape them into American foods in a way that totally erases their actual history, that erases their actual use, that erases their health quality. And so while all of y'all are trying to like eat this fake food, right? You're, it, this, it's, it's also this participation in erasing the root cultures of where these quote unquote gluten free starches actually came from. Yeah, it's true and it's crazy. Me and one of my old roommates, we were looking at plantain recipes because she too is gluten free. Well she's paleo. Um <laughs> I know, disrespect. But anyways, we won't get into that. We could, but maybe a different episode. But anyways, so yeah, we were looking up all these recipes and they were calling things like plantain lasagna, which is pastelon. Which is they're calling it like a plantain sandwich, was, which is a hibarito in Puerto Rico. Like they're just stealing all these things and trying to reclaim it as these innovative gluten-free things. It's like, no, these things have existed for a long time in our cultures. Mm. And yes, like we invite you to participate. Like the issue isn't your participation. It's trying to reclaim it as your own and giving no respect, no honor to the original cultures, or mm. not the because mm, we could get into that also, but to the most recent culture where it comes from, you could say this is an adaptation of a sandwich from mm. the Hibarito, and mm. we're calling it a plantain sandwich, because a lot of people can't pronounce it in the United States. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's important to name these root cultures. Like, it's very important, because not only in naming the root cultures, but then you get access to the actual way to prepare the foods that right. works, mm-hmm. right? Like, these, like, uh, fufus, these, like the, like, the genius that's embedded in how to prepare these foods lives in the root culture. Right. Right. And so I just, um, you know, part of... Uh, I want y'all to eat well, yeah. and I also want y'all to honor that like plantain also has its story, right? Mm-hmm. Plantain comes from Southeast Asia mm-hmm. and was able to migrate to all of these places in the Caribbean. A lot of plantain was actually brought over by uh, colonizers mm-hmm. um, and spread to the regions in which it would grow because it was an easy and quick-growing food to feed working populations, mm-hmm. right? Plantain is a plant. Mm, mm-hmm. It's a plant ally. Yeah. It has a story. It has hands that it's passed through before it got mixed in with all kind of other things and packaged into your gluten-free <laughs> waffle mix. <laughs> okay? And the salt isn't with the waffle mix, right? The salt is with the erasure. Yeah. Um, and I hope that, you know, in this episode you really uh, get to experience like the broad world of plantain and Mm -hmm. the other part that really grinds my gears (laughs) is this oversimplification of energy when it comes to food Mm, come on the calorie right is based Mm. off of what a food is when it burns in a kilometer right right (laughs) your body isn't a fucking like it's not it's not 
And the way that we process and how we turn foods into fat, how mm -hmm. we turn foods into energy has nothing to do with that radical simplification. Right. Yeah. And so naming how many calories something has is completely irrelevant because it doesn't tell you how your body's going to process those calories. Mm -hmm. And if the food is rich in resistant fibers, those calories right? It's going to come out. It's going to come out as stool. Mm -hmm. And so like, we don't need to have fear about how much calories foods have unless you're eating factory foods. Yeah. That's right. When you're eating real foods, you ain't got to stress. Yeah. Right? Calories are on foods because they've <clears throat> denatured and made the food so stupid with the way that they process them that they mm -hmm. actually do cause harm. Imagine um, an industrial food product with a food label on it. Imagine that that's a pharmaceutical mm. because they've produced it like a pharmaceutical. Yeah. They've taken the soul out of it like a pharmaceutical. Yeah. And so they have to let you know <laughs> what adverse side effects you're going to experience. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between the sodium that they put in your chips and the beautiful Himalayan sea salt that Karina sprinkled on our breakfast this morning. Mm -hmm. Right? That's real. So. Oof. I, yeah. As you were talking about that, I was thinking about how we or how diet culture tries to make everything harder, better, faster, stronger. And... Um, using that pharmaceutical model for foods is what um, has promoted the keto diet. Mm. Because they're like, well, on the list of things that give you more energy, it's fat. So why don't you try fat? Fat will give you so much energy and also you'll lose fat. So people are like, wow, harder, better, faster, stronger. Yes, this is more efficient. But there's a high cost. To that energy in your body. Mm. And there's a high cost to not being able to experience the benefit of starch. And that's it. It's like, oh, your body's skinnier. That's great. What does your microbiome look like? Right, because that's the issue when you eat keto. Like, whoo, your colon is like, what's going on here? <laughs> I ain't getting the things because everything was already soluble. I, I can't get the things. <laughs> And yeah, and like, yeah, your body knows how to burn fat. And like I said, it offers like more energy than sugar. However, your body is used to breaking down sugars for energy. So when it's deprived, it goes into like people don't understand like this diet. Keto diet is a stress response. Mm. It's like there isn't glucose. So I have to burn something and mm. that's fat. Mm. And that's very dangerous for your body. So I, stop going against that. Truly. I mean, <laughs> your girl done been on every diet. Oh, I know. <laughs> I remember when you were doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was before it got popular, too. It was, you know, I stay ahead of the curve, <laughs> sis. Uh, and at the same time, right, when I actually learned about the microbiome, when I actually learned about the, the beauty of fiber, mm. I can't believe that I put my body through that. Yeah. Your microbiome is shaped largely by the foods you eat, and the microbiomes that are shaped by fat and meat mm -hmm. It's, gonna, it's different than the microbiomes that are shaped by maduro right. and by these cultures that are able to, like, eat their soup and their fiber, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and that's most of our cultures. Like, yeah. I want to give it to um, some of the indigenous cultures that um, I don't want to mispronounce. Uh, 
their um, their names, but the indigenous cultures in like the Alaskas, in the upper parts of Canada, right, who subsisted mostly on fat and meat, you know, their their bodies over time were able to adapt to this, so their microbiome looks different, and so something like keto would be better for them, but for most of y'all out there, it's not. <laughs> Y'all. Like eat y'all's ancestral food. <laughs> I'm mad. Eat your own food, and then we don't have to have plantain plantations to feed the Ooh. growing trend, yeah. right? Yeah. Of growing all of these quote unquote starches to replace gluten, mm-hmm. right? Creating this expensive fix when the real issue is like, can we promote the growth of a healthy grain, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> all that to say. We're mad, but we're happily eating our plantain at the house and at this Jamaican restaurant that was so nice to us (laughs) Um, here in South Carolina in North Charleston. So anyways, that's what we got for plantains. Um, Asia, do you have um, a bougie auntie word of advice for the folk? Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. It's something like stay in your lane. Mm, come on. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm just, like, fully experiencing what it's been like for me for the past 10 years to bend to the will of diet culture, mm, to mm-hmm. bend to the will of trend that somehow some heart doctor has the authority to tell me <laughs> what to eat when they have no training. Ooh. The way that I used to trust these people, the way that every new diet I had to read 20,000 books and and get my head around it and and take that on and cause so much like so much instability and disability mm-hmm. and so much cost the cost of taking on these diets is so high mm-hmm. not only to our bodies mm-hmm. but to our pocketbooks Ooh. and not only to our pocketbooks but to the root cultures who these food trends actually emerge from they are so expensive and I think about the waste mm. Mm-hmm. of what it was to waver and not stand my ground and not be in my own food culture and my own food tradition mm-hmm. to try to be something and someone else. And so what I want to propose, right, what I want to offer is the stability that comes from being rooted in yourself and in your own culture. Mm-hmm. And there's flexibility mm-hmm. available to us in being rooted. Mm-hmm. Truly. Ooh, that was good. Uh, that was so good. And I'm thinking about how you said you don't have to look at the nutrition facts or calories if you're making your own food. Mm. And so when you're making your, your cultural food, like, you don't need to go to calorie counter. Some nutritionists don't have to tell me that plantains, fried plantains have all these calories. Like, ain't nobody asked you. We didn't want to know. Like that girl said. I never wanted to know. But anyways, because I'm going to stay in my lane and make my motherfucking plantains, period. Um, but yeah, I think also with, to build on that, I would say some bougie auntie word of advice mm. that Asia always gives me. 
is to, instead of looking at people who have different bodies than me, I should look at people who have similar bodies, mm. like me. Like, uh, you know, my body is very indigenous, um, you know, Mexican, Guatemalan, like all that, you know? And so when I was in Mexico, I was like, ooh, their body kind of looks like that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, and... Um, yeah, comparing my body to the right people is really important. Mm. So I would offer y'all to do that. I don't think comparison innately is bad. Mm. I think it's comparing it to the wrong people. That's Girl. the problem. That is yeah. a that's a <laughs> yo no truly because when I was in Ghana and everyone had flat feet and mm. then I was like I don't have plantar fasciitis. Right. I'm black. Yes. <laughs> Period. Everybody had my exact pattern of stretch marks. I said, uh-huh. Oh, right. we have stretch marks. <laughs> right. Because if it's the right people, then you're going to feel better about yourself. And that's, you know, that's the tyranny, mm-hmm. right? It's the same tyranny that shows up in diet culture. It's, it's what shows up in body culture. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, when you get to see who your people are mm-hmm. and you get to see your belongingness, right. then there's no need to try to compare your body to a European standard because that's not your body. Right. And so, yes, thank mm-hmm. you for naming that. Like, yeah. It's so important to know that like, we emerge from a people. We do. And our people look away. Their bodies do a thing. They do a thing. And the foods that they eat are going to serve us. Even if we've been gone for 400 years. Mm, Yeah, it's true. So, yeah, we want to invite y'all to take those things on if Mm. it feels good for you. Um, And we just want to thank y'all for rocking with us every week or whenever. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, thanks for following us on the Instagrams, the TikToks, the Twitters, the Facebook. Um, at, uh, <laughs> at Petty Herbalist and also for supporting Asia in her whole life and her book at Bones, Bugs, and Botany and don't forget to support us on the Patreons patreon.com slash Petty Herbalist to support this podcast and then patreon.com slash Bones, Bugs, and Botany to support Asia's entire life and well-being for real um, <laughs> so thank y'all mm. and remember to stay ready and be petty bye, bye.